This is Strange Assembly episode 177, All New Marvel. I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly, your comic book podcast? Is that really what we're talking about today, Mike? Well, I mean, Versus coming out in Gen Con in a couple of weeks, so you might as well. It's it's the Marvel Versus. Yes, that's why we're talking about it. Okay, so this is usually Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. Today, today, Mike and I are going to, that's Mike Cook, are going to talk about the all-new Marvel. There's, what, Ultimate Universe, crashing together with normal Marvel Universe, and then they're rebooting all the comics. That's short description, right? Secret Wars, new stuff. Yeah, technically all the universes are crashing together, but the Ultimate one is the only one you ever really saw. <laughs> so, yeah, it's for, for all practical purposes. Well, the only other one that they actively used was Spider-Gwen, and she's going back into her own alternate universe afterwards. So, who knows? What we're going to do is something of a top ten list of these issues that we find whatever standard we want to apply. Mike's standards are probably more useful than mine. My standards are, are mostly ones I'm most likely to read. Oh, those are those are basically my standards. Okay, well, yeah, so I guess a yeah, brief, very brief history of, of us as comic geeky types, because I think we come at this from a, a different perspective. Again, Mike's substantially more educated, I, I, I suspect, especially on anything recent. So I got into comics basically at middle school and high school. I was very much an ex-book person. I read a lot of those at that time. I kind of stopped reading comics because oh, they're right there. I've got a lot of interests, and that one ultimately just was not worth the financial input to buy books on on a monthly or more than monthly basis sometimes uh sometimes i would pick up trade paperbacks especially if i could get them at new prices i've uh, at, at good prices i've gotten more back into this with the marvel unlimited app because i can pay one reasonable price i think uh, what am i paying i think i pay 70 dollars a month and i get and extremely extensive access to Marvel's back catalog. You mean seventy dollars a year? A year, yes, not a month, a year. That's right. That's those are those are very different things, Mike. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. So that's that's closer to me. Yes, yes, yeah. I would. I read current stuff. Current to me is about six months old. So this will be a year ahead of you. Yes. Yeah, so this is way ahead of me. But it also lets me go back and read a lot of things. So I have. For example, taking the opportunity to read basically every X thing ever, give or take. Not all of them are actually on Marvel Unlimited, and I do not feel obligated to read all solo books. And now I'm, I'm kind of reading back through, and I, I decided to read all the Fantastic Four, because it was sort of the opposite of the X-Men. They were super popular in the universe, but then never really exploded in modern comic reading time out of universe, so I thought that would be a, a bit of a difference. And I'm also going through and and reading Star Wars things, although I don't know if I'll read all of them, because I, I don't know if I really need to read a Jabba the Hutt or Boba Fett series, because I don't like those characters at all. You should read the new stuff when it comes on, hoping it comes on. Yes, and there's some, and I think 
everything that they have because I think that even the stuff that was originally not Marvel, like the Dark Horse things, those are in there. Yep. And the digital covers on them, they just say they're Marvel. Like, I don't know if there's any recognition in there that they were ever not Marvel. They printed trade paperbacks with the Marvel logo. Yeah. Which, I mean, I'm sure that has to do with what the the licensing is. And then I'm going mm-hmm. through and, and picking up, you know, sort of interesting things as I, I go along there. For example, I'm in 1981, so Frank Miller's Daredevil kicks in then. That's kind of where I am. My list is very character-based, what characters I, I tend to be interested in. There's a little bit about authors, but what about you, Mike? Where are you coming at this thing from? So my history starts when I was, I want to say like five or six. One of my, probably not my earliest, but fairly early memories was going into like, I don't know, it was like a Target or a Walmart or something before we went on a trip. And I ended up getting, I can't remember the exact issue number, but it was a Spider-Man issue where he was fighting Tarantula. And I, I'm pretty sure I had seen Batman before, because Batman was on television, he was on Scooby-Doo, like the 60s stuff, I watched the 60s stuff, and Spider-Man, I watched the Japanese show that was terrible, but I loved it because I was, you know, five. And so I, I picked up the Spider-Man comic book, and that was the, my first memory of the comic, and I, I just, I loved it. And I read stuff up through, I don't know, like, probably middle school maybe was probably where it fell off. Um, and, and I liked a, a lot of, st- like, mainly Spider-Man, but I'd pick up other things like, the occasional X-Men, uh, the 2099 series, Mortal Kombat, loved all of those comics, just absolutely terrible as they were. Then, actually, right around the time of Ultimate Spider-Man, when the Spider- first Spider-Man movie came out, Ultimate Spider-Man got a lot of buzz, and I had, the guy who wrote it, Michael, Brian Michael Bendis, I had heard a lot about his series, Powers, and a bunch of other things that he had written. So, uh, I kind of all at the same time, got all that stuff, and then it's just kind of snowballed since there. On oh, was it snowballed? It's just kind of gone on since there. My preferences have definitely changed over the years uh, as as to what type of reader I am. I use Comixology, so I'm all digital, but I keep up month to month, week to week, even actually. Every week on Wednesday, New Comic Day, I go in and I look and see what I want, and I just you know put it all in my cart and get it. I mostly now follow creators much more so than characters. There are certain characters like Spider-Man I'll I'll follow unless it's just a really bad run. But for the most part, I follow creators, which means it's not always Marvel. Mine is it's a, it's a very grab bag. It's a lot of Image. It's uh, some Oni Press. It's some Boom. It's some Marvel. It's some DC. So yeah, that's where I am at this point. Yes, yeah, my okay. I'm I'm very much a. Marvel, Marvel man, apparently. Of the two, I'm more Marvel than I am DC. I like DC characters, but Marvel's... Yeah, it would be interesting if, if DC had an unlimited sort of app service like that. I don't even know where I'd begin. I think I'd have to go online and get get someone to sort of curate what parts I'm going to go back through. Because I'm, I'm not starting at, like, Superman number one and reading 8,000 comics of him. It's not going to happen. And as I'm sure you've seen rating through the backlog of issues, the tone changes in comics as, as a whole, like a lot. And it's even worse in DC. I want to say worse. It's more magnified in DC. Like it goes from really jokey to like really kind of dark to really kind of serious back to kind of jokey again. 
it can be kind of disconcerting and uh, disorienting, I guess. Well, at least that can vary it up. I actually, yeah. I, 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 you know, mentioning old things and and change of tones. I, the very old Superman stuff where he was like the guy who literally couldn't fly yet, and much more a social cause, man of the people kind of guy before he they kind of started moving away from anything that could be considered controversial. But anyhow, like I said, we're going to do this top 10 list thing because it's easier to organize it like that way, but we'll just go through an order. So what's your number 10, Mike? So my uh, number 10 is Dr. Strange, which is coming out being written by Jason Aaron and the artist is Chris Bacalo, I think is his name. So I'm not familiar with Chris Bacalo, but I like Jason Aaron a lot, and I actually like the character of Doctor Strange a lot. He's got very few successful runs, or at least considered by most of the people I know who you know follow comics. His runs as a whole have not been super great, and uh, Marvel as a whole, especially versus DC, has always had problems with magic. It's been much more of a scientific in, uh, universe rather than magical, so Doctor Strange kind of stands out as one of their main magical people. Like, he's the big ma- magician. Yep. So, Jason Aaron, if there's anybody who can do it, I think Jason Aaron is one of them, uh, one of the people that can do it. Plus, he's got a big battle axe on this cover, which is just kind of awesome. Jason Aaron did the recent Thor run that was known as the, the, the God Butcher, which is just known to be a really good Thor run. Then he also wrote the female Thor, that's of recent. He's actually still writing that. And then he writes another book called Southern Bastards, which I just absolutely love. That one's from Image, uh, and it's completely different. But So I really like this author, the artist. I haven't heard anything good or bad. It's just kind of neutral. And then uh, the tagline is, some surgery requires a scalpel, some an axe. So it, it's more of a shot in the dark, but I like uh, Jason Aaron's building up, built up enough trust with me that I, I really want to try it. I do have to say... Th- the the tagline and the Doctor Strange with the battle axe is is the most interesting is one of the most striking things about this and that would kind of be like huh Doctor Strange well why well, I, I would I would never otherwise read him but but why not yeah this is a character right. who what basically had his peak as a character I think was not only in the 60s but in the 60s before he even had his own book when he was just a run in Bright Strange Tales I think it was. Yeah, he's he's had a couple, but but it's still in, mostly in that era. He's had a couple of reboots, and some of them had some success, but nothing stuck. And he never got enough readership for anything to happen. And this may get like the best chance to have Marvel putting on its A game for Doctor Strange because there's a movie coming out for him in, in a few years. Yep, and they want to you know promote that as much as possible, which. Maybe in, in some abstract ideal universe that is irrelevant, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they, they do try and push things, but you also have to, like, no one exactly knows. Like, the, oh, the comics true. the comics are also kind of their experimental ground. That's why you have so many comic books that are becoming movies anymore. Not just Marvel. Image, a lot of movies are coming out of Image and other independent, more independent presses and whatnot. So, you know, it's partially they can try things. Maybe they get a good, like, run, and then they can use that as the script. You know, it, that type of stuff happens. Well, I, I suspect whatever their general script idea is for Strange is already in. But right, the first one on my list, so I guess number 10, will be Guardians of the Galaxy number 1. 
this has a number of, of intersecting ups and downs. So Guardians of the Galaxy is not something right now that I am reading the current one. The number one up that makes this Guardians of the Galaxy different, and like I said, I'm character-based, is that Peter Quill is not in this book anymore, and now Kitty Pride is Star-Lord. Well, I don't know if she's Star-Lord, because Quill's still off as Star-Lord in his own book, Star-Lord, but on Guardians of the Galaxy, right, their tagline is the raccoon's in charge, so Rocket Raccoon is in charge, and Kitty Pride is in the, the Star-Lord getup. And Kitty Pride is awesome. Frankly, she's she's had some just fantastic runs, including that extended run under Claremont where she was basically the main character in the X-Men for at least a year and produced those classic Professor Xavier is a Jerk and Welcome to the X-Men, Kitty Pride. Hope you exp- uh, hope you survive the experience. So that that's kind of what differentiates this. Now, the other big factor in its favor, which is true of the current Guardians of the Galaxy mag, is that Brian Michael Bendis is the writer for it, and that's a big plus. The sort of ups and ups and downs are like, well, it's got the thing in it, so okay, there's someone from the, all these Fantastic Fours that I've been reading. On the other hand, I've been reading Fantastic Fours from the 60s and 70s when Ben Grimm is really a terrible person, and I wish he would stop whining all the time. And then Venom is in it, and i that's just kind of random to me. But Venom's also got his own book, so maybe you can enlighten me on what the heck is going on with Venom. I don't know. Well, Venom is, uh, it is not Brock. I'm pretty positive it's not Brock. It should be, um, oh gosh, what's his name? It's the newer Venom. It's not Brock, it's uh, Flash. It's Flash Thompson. Oh. So another of Peter's old people. Uh, Flash served in the military in Marvel in like the Iraq conflict somewhere in the middle uh, Middle East I, I can't remember exactly which conflict he was in and he lost both of his legs so then they recruited him for a project which was the uh, they had a way to control Venom but he could only use it a certain number of times and of course things kind of snowball and he ends up kind of permanently attached to it the Venom symbiote is actually comes from another planet and is it's like a very violent takeover. That's why you had Carnage and all his other spawns that happened. So part of the newest run of the Guardians of the Galaxy was supposed to be them going to that planet. I haven't read it, but this is how I understand it. Um, and Bendis is writing that run as well. So yeah. that's why that's why he's more in space. And it's also less of a threat to Earth, I think, is the other thinking. Venom Space Knight. Yeah. Is the book. But yeah, and that was... Coincidentally, I suppose, this right. This is coming out of Secret War, and Venom, the symbiote, was originally introduced in one of the atrocious, god-awful Secret Wars. The first Secret Wars was fun. I mean, it just was what it was, but well, yeah. I, I like the first Secret Wars. It's it's not like the greatest piece of fiction ever written, but it's 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 also a very long for what it is. It's just it's just action figures banging together and it was made to sold action to sell action figures. So Yes, yes. And it was a little weird if you're reading through during that time frame because all of the books, at least for the first one, well I, it was kind of even worse for the second one, or maybe not worse isn't the right word, but more of a mix-up for the second one. But right, you're, you're reading along, and basically just in between issues, the characters go away and spend 
a year worth of comics on another planet and then come back. So things have happened to them, but you don't actually know what they are yet? Yeah. There's actually a time jump in this, too. I think the new books start up eight months later in-universe after the end of Secret War, which is why Jessica Drew's Spider-Woman is eight months pregnant on the the cover of her book. But All right, so we, we have joint number nines, just so we can cover them at once. Uh, so what, what was your what was our joint number nine, Mike? It's the all new, all different Avengers, which is like the tenth all new, all different book they've put out. Why well, the whole? It... <laughs> no, well, for the title, for the title. Like after number eight of all new, all different, it's like, well, how many more? All it's still technically correct, but it make, takes pressures. Uh, whatever. So this title is the Avengers that it's a very interesting mix. So you've got Captain America who was the Falcon. You've got the female Thor. You've got Iron Man, although nobody knows exactly who it is. Well, nobody knows if it's actually Tony Stark or not. You've got the new Nova. You've got Miles Morales Spider-Man since he will be the new teenage Spider-Man. Uh, you've got Kamala Khan as Miss Marvel, and then you've got the Vision. So it seems like a pretty interesting team to me and Mark Wade has a lot he can be very hit or miss but when he hits he really hits for me so I'm definitely going to give this a try and I like this team I I have this on here as mine I said yeah team team reasons you'll see several people on this team have or at least a couple of the people on this team have appearances later on with solo books which is a part of what made it onto here was sort of my my honorable mention that I got bumped off would have been just ultimates because I want to I want to see what happens if Galactus like how is Galactus on a team but well it's also got two Miss Marvels two cap uh, cap two pre- uh, Miss Marvel no actually I guess she, was she Captain Marvel no 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 yeah she was Captain Marvel that's that's yeah. the interesting thing it's it's been a big deal over the last seven several years that Carol Danvers is now. Captain Marvel, but yeah, back in the 80s, Monica Rambeau was just Captain Marvel. Yep. So, they they actually, in the the Carol Danvers Captain Marvel book, after she had declared herself Captain Marvel, there's actually a thing where she goes down to Louisiana and says, so, Monica, um, you, you okay with this? Maybe I should have asked first. <laughs> uh, well, she also talked to Captain. Cap's like, it's time. You need your your Captain. No, 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 no. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think I believe Captain America was the one who had told her to, and and she was, yeah. and and Monica Rambeau never. I think she had was she. I was gonna say Lightspeed, but no, I think Lightspeed was maybe the Power Pack one. But um, uh, yeah, she, yeah. Carol Danvers has had a couple of names, but I don't think. I think Monica only had a couple. Yeah, yeah, Rambo had Monica Rambo had some other things. So I'm assuming yeah, she's not yeah, she, she's not Captain Marvel. She hasn't been Captain Marvel, right? She was right. one of the series of characters who got identified as Captain Marvel cuz Marvel needed to make sure to keep its uh trademark on Captain Marvel alive <laughs> since, since they sniped it out from under DC. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine that if any lengthy period of time went by and Marvel did not have a Captain Marvel, that DC would be like, look, Captain Marvel, it's back. Ha ha ha. I don't know now, because they've actually bothered to rename him Shazam. Like, all of his stuff is now Shazam. And everybody always called him Shazam, so... It would be interesting. You could have yeah. 
And then it'll be interesting. Just like they have Marvel's Hawkeye. Like whenever you look at the toys, it's always Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, Marvel's Hawkeye. You could have to call it like Marvel's Captain Marvel when they make an action figure out of her. Right. But hey, if they made an action figure out of her, we'd already have a huge step towards progress. So you know. Yes. If if maybe we'll revisit this for episode 200 because it it still comes up. But if people want to go back. Episode 100 of the podcast was titled Wonder Woman, and you can hear me gripe about the difficulty of finding superhero action figures for my son, who is obsessed with superheroes, especially the Justice League, but just the difficulty of finding female characters for that. Yeah. And they're, I mean, on both sides, both the Marvel Mm -hmm. and DC sides. I actually... And Star Wars. Well... Yeah, I he he likes Star Wars to some extent. I think it may partially be like he likes Star Wars because he knows I like Star Wars. I don't know how much he would independently, but I'm trying. Right. I'm trying. Well, I'm just saying there are a lot of like really popular female characters that also cannot get. You know, it's really hard for us to get them made. But anyhow, okay. So yeah. speaking of people who are in all new Avengers, sorry, all new all different Avengers. What's your? That was both of our mutual number nines. What's your number number uh, eight? My number eight is the Vision. So this is written by Tom King, and the artist is Gabriel Walta. So I'll be honest. It's not that I have any kind of big thing. I've got a friend who I very much trust who does uh, who also reads comics with me. He's in my comic book club, and. He is very hot on Tom King. He really likes Tom King. I really like this cover. I think the art is really cool. Marcos Martin is a great cover artist, so that should be no surprise. But they just, I don't know, it seems really interesting. The Vision, I think everybody's pretty hot on the Vision after the uh, the Avengers movie. They just, probably the best Vision I've ever seen. So I, I'm kind of, you know, I'd, I'd like some new Vision. And I'm guessing they're going to put some t- good talent on this book because people are kind of hot off of that movie. Next on my list, eight, uh, Uncanny Inhumans. Number one, as Marvel would like to point out, Uncanny was in fact applied first as an adjective to the Inhumans before it was applied to the X-Men. However, I don't think that really has anything to do with anything. They just, right, there's Uncanny Avengers now. I'm sure if the Defenders was popular, eventually there would be eventually there'd be an Uncanny Defenders book. There was an Uncanny Avengers, I believe. No, no, yes, there was and there is. That's what, yeah, they, yeah, yes. And notably, that was specifically the Unity team. That was the Mutants and... Avengers book, so I think that's why it was called Uncanny Avengers, because Uncanny Mm -hmm. was so closely associated with the X-Men. That's still in here. You'll actually see that as about the only thing that could pseudo-be identified as a Team X book that is not on my list, because the original... Well, let's see, the the reasons. One, Deadpool's in it, and I hate that guy. And two, the, the... original uncanny avengers run i apparently rick remender and i just do not get along as far as I, I mean you're not the only one who i've heard that opinion from so you know i can understand it i, I like he's more hit or miss with me but yeah like i said i'm i often focus more on characters i should focus more on writers and artists i think but i actually noticed enough that between his run on Uncanny X-Force, 
I was like, oh, I'm really tired of this guy. And then I started reading Uncanny, because not really paying attention to who the author was. And I'm like, man, is this, this is, what is up with all this un- X4? Oh, it's Remender again. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, well, I mean, at least in Uncanny Human, Inhumans, you picked a pretty good team because Charles Soule and Steve McNiven should be should be a pretty good team for them. And Charles Soule was actually already writing the Inhuman stuff because he was writing the big event where they basically replaced the X-Men with Inhumans. It, yeah, I have been reading the Inhumans stuff. It's been okay, I think. And this team is Black Bolt, or at least based on the cover. We've got some classic Inhumans, Black Bolt, Medusa, Triton. It's got Johnny Storm, the Human Torch, and it's got Beast, because apparently Hank McCoy wants to be on every single superhero team ever. I mean, the guy's been in the X-Men, the Avengers, the Defenders, the... <laughs> and now, I'm pretty sure he was Fantastic Four at one point. That I'm not aware of, but it's possible. Has the guy, the guy, uh, the guy got around. And so now he's on an Inhumans team, but... He's a likable guy. Yeah, that is... Yeah, it's interesting, too. I don't know, maybe interesting is the right word. Yeah, the uh, the Avengers Beast is really substantial. Like, when he first becomes an Avenger, it's really substantially different, I feel like, than when he was with the X-Men. The whole... Like, like he's really becomes the jokester when he does that. Mm-hmm. And, and he was always the super... Well, not the super serious one, because that's clearly Scott Summers, but he was always a more serious one, right? Bobby Drake was the, the jokey character on in X-Men. Anyhow. So, yeah, Uncanny Inhumans, Charles Soule, Steve McDevin. That was my the eighth on my list. And what is seven on yours? Seven on my list is Howard the Duck, number one, yes again. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, this book is Chip Zdarsky and uh, Joe Quinones. It's actually a book I'm reading right now. It's the same team for the same book. This is going to be one of those books that's really not probably affected that much by Secret Wars. It is in the Marvel Universe, technically. It's just, you know, it's kind of it's also it's doing its own thing. Yeah, I mean. yeah. Well, he had Guardians of the Galaxy in his book, so this cover is great. It's Howard uh, gets a new hat, and looking over the cover... It's pretty, you know, because he's like, really? Because everybody else is getting all this new refresh. He's got a new hat. Then going over these hats, I realized just now how many different things there are. Because there's Jughead's crown. There's Scrooge McDuck's top hat. There's Huey, Dewey, and Louie. There's Darth Vader. There's the upside-down baseball cap they used to serve you ice cream in after Little League at, uh, (laughs) at, uh, what was that ice cream place? What's that place? Dairy Queen. A couple others. I'm pretty sure that's Gizmo Duck in the background. I love these guys. I got to see them at Heroes Con in South Carolina about a month ago. They're both hysterical and super nice guys. I think they're both really talented, and I really love this book. So this is kind of a no-brainer, because it's essentially the same book I'm already reading. Does Howard the Duck destroy the Ultimate Universe? It's not It's not Magneto. It's not Galactus. It's, it's Howard the Duck. He went over and destroyed the Ultimate Universe, didn't he? Curse. No! So here's the well. Here's the really weird thing is people don't understand, but like everybody's understanding of Howard the Duck was the movie, and he was very big in counterculture in the seventies. Like most comics people, like a lot of comic people consider Gerber's run on Howard the Duck in the seventies like so holy. Most people were surprised they redid a book for it. So 
I like the book. It's completely different. They're not trying to do what he did. They're just doing their own fun thing. Yeah, my number seven, then, is the first of the... Oh, this guy appeared in uh, the, the team book earlier on from All New, All Different Avengers, and that's Spider-Man number one, Bendis again, Sarah Pacelli, artist. And this is the Miles Morales, formerly Miles Morales, the ultimate Spider-Man, now just Spider-Man. And this is basically on here for Bendis doing cool things with the character. I will note that if this tagline had perhaps been used three years ago, I would have thought it was awesome. Welcome to the Marvel Universe, Miles Morales. Hope you survive the experience, right? I just I just talked about that with Kitty Pride, But I think that they've used that phrase half a dozen times in X-Books over the last three years or so, and they just need to give it a rest. But other than that, I know I'm in your territory here, but, but Spider-Man number one. No, actually, and this is... This is the character that's direct descendant from Ultimate Spider-Man. This is literally just this book being remade in this universe. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, because, yeah, Peter Parker died, Miles Morales became the Spider-Man of the Ultimate Universe, and now he's... the. I don't even know how many other characters are just actually surviving from the Ultimate Universe, because part of the shtick of the Ultimate Universe was they just killed people off all the time. It's him and its members of the Fantastic Four and one or two villains, I think, and that's it. Most of the Ultimate Universe dies a fiery <laughs> death, which a lot of them pretty much, it, it's fine. <laughs> it's, Let's face it, the Ultimate Universe jumped the shark a long time ago. Yeah, well, and Ultimate Spider-Man was the only thing that anybody was really interested in for the most part for a very long, other than like the first maybe couple runs of Ultimates. It, it was easily the best, and Bendis has been writing this since I came back into comics in like 2000, 2001. He's never left this book. Yep. It, it's like, 150 or 160 issues straight. It's got to be one of the longest runs of comics. Yeah, the poor guy probably won't even get to count it, though, because they... <laughs> Reset the numbering. He did have a long run before they started doing all the renumbering things. At least this time, when they're renumbering all the books, many of them are actually just flat-out new books. It's not like they've done a couple times in the last few years where they just... It's the exact same book. They just restart the numbering. Yeah. I don't know, a lot of them are, still are, though, but at least most of them aren't. Yeah. Well, how about your uh, number six? My number six, somewhat related to uh, your earlier pick, is actually Karnak, which is written by Warren Ellis, and the art is by Gerardo Zafino, who I'm also not very familiar with. I feel like they're picking a lot of new artists for these books. Uh, but the cover art is by David Aha, who I love. I loved his uh, Hawkeye run, specifically. I know a lot of people will be familiar with that. So Karnak, his whole ability is that he's able to find the flaw in things. And the tagline is the flaw in all things. And Morris Ellis is just great for doing weird... Like, this, this run is not going to be long. At most, it will probably be six issues, I'm guessing. Because Ellis doesn't like to stick around on a single topic all that long, typically, especially not for a big company like Marvel or whatever. But I, whatever six books I get, I think will probably be great. I'm, you know, <laughs> I, I don't dare to hope for the the Moon Knight greatness again, but it, even if it's just weird and cool, I, I'm down for it. I do like the tagline for this. I have a hard time escaping the old Karnak, where his power was very specifically, I can karate chop anything. 
Yeah. It got fleshed well, I, out a little bit more, but it was a very yeah. goofy power. I, I, yeah, I think it's, you know, they're, of course, they're going to extrapolate that into, like, oh, well, both, does this really mean like they do? Because sometimes you have to as a writer. Uh, yeah. So my number six is A-Force, which is essentially the same as the A-Force from Secret War. The, the shtick is that it, it's an all-female team assembled... By I don't know who this this silhouette character, but it has uh, Carol Danvers, who like I said, Ultimates didn't quite make it on my list, but because I figured two were already there, and I'm I'm kind of concerned that she's going to become my Wolverine. I really like Wolverine, but it turns out that like three X books at a time is enough Wolverine. I don't more than enough Wolverine. I don't need. Uh, you know, to have like the solo series on top of that too. So I was, I was looking at these and I'm like, man, I, I keep adding Carol Danvers books. I'm gonna, I'm gonna burn out or, or something. But she was a little weird to start out with, honestly, more than a little weird. But she actually had the whole uh, feminist, I guess, thing. And actually, at the time, they would have called it women's lib because it was the 70s. Mm-hmm. But she, she had some stuff like right away going on with that. It's a little weird to go back at it now because it's phrased in the same way. And on, on the other hand, it's, it's also modern. I, uh, one of the first times that she's working with the Avengers, for example, there's a, a thing where Wasp says to her like, Oh, it's great to have another girl around here. And Carol Danvers says, well, I haven't been a girl in quite some time, but I appreciate the sentence. (laughs) 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 Uh, <laughs> but it also has uh, Punk Dazzler, and Dazzler is got to be one of the best results of a what I would certainly, had I been around at the time, have declared to be a totally crass marketing BS move. Oh, and behind the time, they, she was to capitalize on Disco after Disco had already died. They did this a couple times. <laughs> well, but she wasn't even, oh, let's have a Disco character. I don't remember the details of it, but there was specifically some marketing thing that they went to do. See, that character was created just to be marketed, not maybe not quite as obviously, but not that far off of Secret War, where it was literally just, you need to do something so you can have things like new costumes and whatnot so we can make a new set of action figures. Yep. And this also has Medusa and She-Hulk and possible guest appearances by other people. They get points because Jubilee is one of the characters in the the background and Jubilee. Yes, girl. Well, yes, yeah. but Jubilee is one of my favorite characters. Period. So, I guess she's still a vampire, but that's which is still weird. But oh well. Who knows? Comics. And has a kid. Anyhow, but that is A4. So we're at the halfway bar. We have the same number 5. I have weird things to say about it. So why don't you talk about Uncanny X-Men first? All right, Uncanny X-Men. So I'm I'm not currently reading any X-Books. Being raised in the 80s and 90s, it was impossible to get away from the X-Men. Not that I necessarily wanted to, but they were never my first love, but they were always right there in the background. And specifically Uncanny, I'm actually interested in all of these different teams because I, I like all of the creative teams on them. But specifically Uncanny X-Men is Colin Bunn and Greg Land. And I really like Colin Bunn. I, I think he's doing great work. And this seems like 
potentially an interesting team. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, these are more shots in the dark for me, but I'm going on, like I, like I said, just the creative teams that are assigned to them. And this one, for me, is here, and it's weird because I will read this, at least initially, because it has the word X-Men in the title, except you would have a hard time coming up with a group of characters that I am less interested in. Like, Magneto is basically the only one of these characters I would have any interest in seeing as a member of a team and and the composition of this team is part of the reason why I've said to you and your that there there are surprisingly few X books here and I know that there are 3 but there have been for a while now 3 at least X-Men books you know there's Uncanny and All New X-Men and Wolverine and the X-Men and but then there's also you know been X-Factor around there's been various iterations of X-Force, and this team, this concept here, okay, I don't know about the concept necessarily, but when you look at the assemblage of characters here, it reminds me of what basically has X-Force has been. Phantom X is a character who briefly appeared in Uncanny and then basically existed and got a lot of play in Remender's uh, X-Force run originally, and then went on to being in another X-Force. Mystique, I like Mystique, but she was literally appearing concurrently as a bad guy in at least three different X-Books. Like She was running around as a bad guy in Magneto, she was running around as a bad guy in Wolverine and the X-Men, and she was running around as a bad guy in all-new X-Men. Right, she was pretending to be Dazzler infiltrating Shield. She was, she's running Madripoor. She's, I. It's one of these things where, okay, you guys are, you're all using the same character without working together at, at all. Psylocke is a character who I used to be okay, but she kind of has ended up in this weird place after being in the X, all these X Force teams. Basically, X Force was the during that period of time was the. You write it started out as Cyclops's, you know, hit squad. Like yeah, this it's, is it's Wetwork Squad. Yeah. So and and the very first bit I liked, but then I don't know. It just got a bit weird. Sabretooth. What I do we really need that guy on and pretending to be a good guy again? I, I mean, I guess I guess Mystique was just using Wolverine because she can copy things. She was just copying Wolverine's mutant power, which is multitasking. <laughs> yes. Did you ever did you ever read that joke? I don't know if I remember that specific one, but I have to say it 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 did not get old, at least to me, the repeated occasions when they would talk about just kind of meta reference how many teams Wolverine is on. Ben, it was Bendis' run on Avengers, I think it was the very first one, because that was the first time Spider-Man had been on an Avengers, and it was the first time Wolverine had been on the Avengers. And they're uh, all like how many teams are you on? He's like, my mutant, real mutant power is multitasking. <laughs> One of the, before, obviously before the split, the, or before Schism, Cyclops is assigning the teams, and yeah, there's this scene where Wolverine says to Cyclops, I appreciate your faith in me, but three teams at once? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he ran Professor X's school for a while. Yeah, and well, well, yeah, the, the Jean Grey school, and then... Oh, yeah. uh, 
and in during Dark Reign, when you had the Dark X-Men and the Dark Avengers, and they put Dokken on both of them, there are comments of, about, like, how Wolverine just raises your Q score on all the... <laughs> <laughs> right, so that that's why I said it. It's kind of weird for me in that I will look at it because it is an X book, but I'm I'm very skittish about it. At least we don't have... I, I don't know. At least Cable isn't in it. That would I don't know what else could make it. <laughs> cable has not been in anything in a long time. Yeah, he is. Happens. He's in. Well, he, at least. Well, I, don't, I shouldn't say a long time because they had Deadpool and uh, Cable for a while. Well, that was a few years back. And maybe it got canned before Secret War started. But there was an there was an X Force there was an X Force book. Still, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, like I said, I haven't been reading any of the X Men books. So. No, no, yeah, don't. The most recent X Force book, which was different from. Rick Remender X Force thing, like a, a you know some overlap, but primarily a, a cable thing. I, that one I started and then stopped. But anyhow, it's interesting. I right, it says X Men on it, so I will at least at least give it a look. Well, we have a we have a joint number four to go with our joint number five, and that is Ms. Khan, Ms. Marvel. The inhuman, but I don't care that she's an inhuman. So I basically first tried this one out because they had moved Carol Danvils over to being Captain Marvel and they had this new character, Ms. Marvel. I tried it out. I like the character. So I, and, and she, and again, she's one of the people in all new, all different Avengers. So I, I wish to continue reading her spunky adventures, which perhaps will be. Well, we'll see if she remains as spunky now that she's an Avenger. <laughs> well, I think she will because the um, if you read the tagline for all new, all different Avengers, it's uh, this it's what is the most dedicated heroes? Yeah, they take the Earth's mightiest heroes, they cross out the mightiest and write most dedicated. Yeah, <laughs> so that, that seems to be an indicate because most of these are because this Vision, I think Vision's supposed to be changing, I believe, or maybe he's coming back. And we don't know if this Iron Man is the same Iron Man, and it's a different. No, like all of these are essentially pretty new heroes, especially in the role that they're filling. So I feel like a lot of that insecurity is going to be a big part of that team, and that's still a big part of Kamala because she's fifteen or sixteen somewhere in there. Yeah, she's a teen. Miles is a teen. I think Nova, this Nova, is still a teenager. Yep. Even if that's still Tony Stark in the Iron Man armor, they do not have the gigantic piles of Tony Stark money that they used to have because he doesn't have it anymore, right. I think. Right. But, but back to Ms. Marvel, I love, I started reading it because I had heard great things about G. Willow Wilson who had written, who, uh, who wrote the stuff before. And I just really like it. it. You know, it's something different. It was a very unique take or I don't want to say unique take, it was a very refreshing take because it was this um, Muslim-American character. Um, it was just a story you didn't see, especially in Marvel that often. And it was just a great story. It was well-written. Uh, Miss Wilson's actually a um, a big gamer, and a lot of that stuff came through. And she's, you know, she likes fan fiction. She likes more of the probably more YA-type stuff. And a lot of that stuff comes through in Miss Marvel. And it just seems, for me, it feels really fresh and really fun, and the character's really fun and just great all around. So, absolutely, I'm going to continue reading it. You definitely get that right there. There actually is an all-new, all-different flavor to that set of Avengers. They are... Right, a, a lot of them are 
to some extent, okay, here here was our old character who was a white dude, usually, and now it's not. That's not completely the case. I mean, obviously, Ms. Marvel, the prior Ms. Marvel was not a male. Right. But, you you know, you're flavoring it up some. And I've always... That's always interesting. I, I guess I wish that there was some better way to do it than the sort of somewhat gimmicky, oh, let's take the same character name, but then just make it something different. But I I don't think that there's really any way around that. You know, if you introduce brand new female Asgardian character, that just doesn't get the same attention and draw and relatively quick establishment of a character as redoing Thor and new characters have to start somewhere and they're competing with these big established people often so I do feel like the way that they did it well I can understand certainly why it feels gimmicky at times I think it ends up being the best because it's one less name that you have to remember it's showing that this character this role this title which is really what you know superheroes generally are is their as much their title or their mantle as they are the person who's wearing it it's really two components to that character right it's the superhero and then the actual person who's dealing with being a superhero when you have different people move into those same superhero roles you're saying hey yes the previous person was a white male but that doesn't mean that's the only person who can do that. Because that was the, the appeal for Spider-Man for a long time. Anybody could be behind that mask because he was a full-body costume. And then Miles Morales was this first full thing of, well, not only could it be somebody else, it is somebody else. Um, so you know, I can understand why it's giving, but I, like, I think I kind of think that they did the right way. It, it's so easy for new characters. It's so hard to get them attention and yeah. not push them like to death. Anyways. I, I agree with you. So, so our joint number four is Ms. Marvel. My number three is probably more obvious, so I'll just, just do mine first. Let's see. If my number four is Ms. Marvel, then my number three must be Captain Marvel. Hey! Hey! So, Carol Danvers uh, continues to have a solo book. Tara Butters and Michelle Fazekas writing, Chris Anka artist. It's Captain Marvel. There you go. <laughs> they are the writing team, and I want to say they're the creative team behind uh, Agent Carter, the uh, television the show. Series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am aware of the show. I have not seen it. I've seen her appear on the mediocre at best Marvel's Agents of Shield, which is on Netflix. So it's so much better. Her show is so good. Towards the end, it gets a little like, eh, but for the most part, it's really, really solid. She does a great job. They do a great job overall. Our listeners may notice a, a, a recurring sort of theme here. Mike actively goes out and seeks out current content on a you know on a time specific basis. Chris, is it available on a streaming service? <laughs> <laughs> well, also, I don't have a kid. So I yeah. don't have two kids. Yeah. So that's a large chunk of time I I have for other things. Yeah. Yeah. So all right, but your your number 3 is the dude who's totally not hanging out with Gambit, right? Yeah, Daredevil number 1, The Devil's Apprentice. So this is uh Charles Sola and Ron Garney. And the reason this interests me, Mark Wade just came off of uh who was writing the all new all different Avengers, which is the one from earlier in the list. Also wrote the new Archie, 
uh, which got a lot of critical acclaim. Um, so Charles Soule actually just came off of a run on uh, She-Hulk, which unfortunately got – they say it didn't get canceled. It just didn't get extended past his initial run, uh, but it just – it didn't quite generate the sales. But that that was an amazing run, and a large part of that was he was – he is actually a practicing attorney in New York, and he was able to use that uh, because – Part of that, a large part of that She-Hulk run was she is at a white shoes firm and then ends up splitting with him in the first issue and starts her own practice. So a lot of that flows into the book, but a lot of it's like you can just feel these personal touches and it's great. And I really like Daredevil as I used to hate Daredevil as a character, but now I actually really kind of like him. There have been a couple of really good successful runs, especially successful runs, especially Mark Wade's run has made me really like him so i'm very because obviously he's also an attorney i'm very interested to see what what charles Soule does with the character i i had forgotten about that you know i you had you've mentioned that before and i have not read the shield because there are i plan on reading all 12 of them in a row and the last one or two aren't on unlimited yet but i forgotten about that right that that it's the attorney for the Again, for those who are not bizarrely familiar with my personal life, I I may have some sort of law degree. <laughs> so I don't know if I want to know who the other person is that is not Gambit. It's supposed to be a, an entirely new character. Okay. Well, actually, you know, I don't know because he's just went on Twitter and said, "No, that's not Gambit," because everybody assumed it was Gambit. <laughs> well, he's carrying a bow staff. He's got he's got the, that face mask head thing. Yeah, that. Yeah. The, that Gambit, I think, used to wear. Maybe he still. I don't yeah. know what. The look of a character is so malleable and, and kind of yeah intentionally. So I, I actually listened. Uh, I was on. I was listening to a panel uh, once again at EurosCon where one of the artists was like because they, they were talking about costume design. And that was what the panel was about. And he's like, "Well, I know, you know, we try and stay consistent, but at one point I was drawing Doctor Strange and." I know he's not what he looked like, but I wanted to draw original Doctor Strange, so I just drew original Doctor Strange, and nobody told me I couldn't, so we just did it. So that's just kind of what happens sometimes. So those looks kind of go in and out. Yeah, so now now we're down to each of our top twos, which if you were paying attention to, or earlier, to what sorts of things we like are probably not super surprising. Mine definitely won't be. Yours might be, because you have more options left. But... So what what is your number two? Well, my number two is definitely Spider-Gwen, who's technically Spider-Woman, but everybody just calls her Spider-Gwen. This is a book that actually came out of the Edge of uh, Spider-Verse miniseries, which was there were these four one-shots that were, oh, here's all of these different alternate universes. And they're kind of like what ifs of what Peter Parker could have been. Some of them were actually rehashes of or, or re-going back to uh, what they had already done, and some of them were brand new. And this one, Spider Gwen, was the one that really like just just ignited a storm. It, like it was super popular. It went back to like a fourth reprinting for that original book. The book since then has not it has not quite found its feet for me, but it's never really completely recaptured that original, just great mix of things. But I have a lot of faith in these creators. Jason Latour is one of my favorite writers right now, one of my favorite creators right now. Robbie Rodriguez, I think, has a really great style. And really, this is also kind of proxy for all of the spider female books, so all the related spider books. So like uh, Spider-Woman, 
Silk and the Web Warriors will probably all kind of go into this slot, but Spider-Gwen out of all of those is probably the one I'm looking forward to the most. So yeah, there, there is a lot of spider stuff. Uh, it's great. Yeah, well, yeah, I'll say yeah. You you're not allowed to you know backtalk me when I say there's not enough X Men, Mister. I have like six to nine spider ish books. I'm not saying that there's not enough. I'm just saying that there is some. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, there is. Yes, there are are flat out like six spider. I will call them Spider Verse, Spider Verse, not in a technical sense, but just Spider Family books. There are yeah. Seven, I think. Well, the Web Warriors, Spider-Man 2099, Spider-Gwen, Silk, Spider-Woman, Spider-Man, Flat-Out Spider-Man. Well, th- there are three that are I would are sort of Spider-Books, right? Like Carnage and Venom started out as Spider-Characters. They don't yep. really feel like they are anymore. They really kind of branched out into their own thing. They, they very rarely even interact with Spider-Man anymore. And I guess Spider-Woman, I don't know... I have not read the Spider-Verse stuff. Maybe she's tied into that. Like, she doesn't really have anything to do with Spider-Man. I can only assume that she was named Spider-Woman in the first place for marketing purposes. Uh, It's kind of, she she was an experiment of Hydra. Her parents experimented on her. That was part of her whole history. But she is still, because this goes back to Straczynski's run, who he tied Spider-Man, because, you know, there's always the, the split between mystical characters and scientific characters, and so, Spider-Man had always been a scientific character, because he got bitten by a radioactive spider, even though that makes no sense whatsoever. Sure. Uh, so I mean. so he tied it back to, you always thought you were, you know, the, the spider bite. He's like, but that doesn't really make sense, does it? And Because uh, you find someone who has the same set of powers that he has, and he was like, really you are a totem of the spider and there have been many of them and there are many of them. So she is connected through that spider totem. All of these characters, that's how they're all connected. That's what Spider-Verse was all about, is that they're all in their own way uh, connected to this web. Including the ever the almighty Spider-Ham. Yes! Who is on the cover of Web Warriors number one. Yes. Well, and just specifically when you say that, because this new look for Spider-Woman, all of this came out of the Spider-Verse book. That's where she had a lot of her changes. And that was what was frustrating, is her new look was actually Spider-Woman number four. It's like, you love giving things number one, Marvel. Why would you have her new look and, like, you don't really need to know what happened before be a number four when it really should have been a number one? I don't know. Anyway, sorry. She was another character who was weird. When her backstory has even before that spider totem stuff, there I think have been a number of tweakings of exactly what was going on with her parents and the comic books. Right? Yeah, I know. But she was also a very petulant character. I guess she reminded me of Ben Grimm like that. Like her stuff in the seventies. She's yeah. She was like that in the West Coast Avengers too. Yeah. But I will just do my number two and my number one at the same time, because they're kind of interchangeable. And that's all-new X-Men number one and Extraordinary X-Men number one, sort of the, in my mind, quote-unquote, real X-Men books. All-new X-Men number one is, for the most part, at least from what we can tell, the same time-traveling group of teens, minus Jean Grey, but plus... Laura X23 slash Wolverine. She's the all new Wolverine. 
I know nothing about the book, but it's, oh, it's these same characters I, I liked before, and, oh, they hopefully will be continue to be delicious. That's uh, Dennis Hopeless writing and, and Mark Bagley. And Dennis Hopeless is really good. He's also the one who's writing Spider-Woman. Yeah, and then the then the Extraordinary X-Men book, which I guess is the... It's weird in that it... I would think of this as the main X-book just by default, because I still think of all new X-Men as sort of its own odd... Not odd thing, but it's sort of its own thing. Like, there's the normal X-Men, and then, oh, there's also this time-displaced team, but the, the Extraordinary X-Men appear to be Storm, Old Man Logan, because there's a Wolverine on each team, but it's a different Wolverine, so... Now we've got different versions of them for you. (laughs) So, yeah, Storm, Old Man Logan, Nightcrawler, I believe the time-displaced Jean Grey, Iceman, what appears to be a strangely drawn Colossus, and I think Ileana... It's X characters. Hooray! Still hated, still feared, still standing. So I, I want to know what this green gas is all about. The surrounding them, because I could have sworn there was a character that was that had gas, or maybe it's Terrigen gas, and they're just like whatever. I guess we'll find out. Maybe it's maybe it's just there so you can see uh, Storm separating the clouds. Oh, and they nicely leave uh, Nightcrawler's Banff cloud alone. <laughs> yes, I think that it actually is the Terrigen mists. Ah. That would actually be my guess because there's been issues, there's been maybe not issues, there's been stuff with the Inhumans and there are a number of X characters who are missing at the moment, including right. like normal Cyclops. Well, to the extent that Cyclops is normal anymore. But you know, non-time displaced Cyclops. I don't know. So I, I I look forward to what what new and different things they do with my X Men. And I, I guess the question for for the, the the astute listener would really just be which of the remaining Spider Man books is your number one? There's only one, which is Amazing Spider Man number one. Dan Slot is the guy who's been writing it for like the last four, three, four, five years, somewhere in there. He's the one who's been doing this run. He's the one who did uh, Superior Spider-Man. I just, I love his Spider-Man. I think it's really, really good. This is going to be him being, hey, I'm Peter Parker. I'm getting my life together. I've got money because Parker Industries is finally taking off and all of my genius inventions are actually getting me paid and I'm taking responsibility for it. The new suit is by Alex Ross and Alex Ross is not my favorite artist in the whole world in the suit. It's fine. It's whatever. It's barely anything. It's just, you know, the spider's a little bit redesigned and glowing from what we can see. He's got a spider car. Because <laughs> why not? You know, it's just one of those gadgety type of things. So I expect this book will be a lot of fun. And it's Amazing Spider-Man, so it's always going to be number one for me. It's Peter Parker Spider-Man. So there you have it. Don't forget, you can... In, in addition to when we were listing off these 7,000 Spider books, Spider-Man is in Uncanny Avengers, in addition to Miles Morales being in... That's right. Or I guess Peter Parker is in Uncanny Avengers, in addition to Miles Morales being in only all different Avengers. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Spider-Man gets around. Well, you know, anybody who's, who's popular will. All mm-hmm. right, so 
that was what we are most looking forward to these comics that don't come out for months months for you and like probably like i don't know a year from now for me basically give or take well yeah i don't i don't even know how many months because i think they're about halfway through secret wars so they this might only be like september october that's why they had to come out with these covers is they're having to get solicited because they're about the three months out mark yeah, some of the information that is out there on some of the things, yeah, it comes from what what the soliciting to the distributor sort of copy is. Mm-hmm. All right, there you have it, folks. An episode of your friendly neighborhood tabletop gaming podcast in which we do not in any way, shape, or form talk about tabletop gaming. I guess we could have squeezed a review of X-Men Mutant Revolution in here, but but it's too late for that. I'll have a review of Versus once it comes out. Because <laughs> I was wondering, I was like, the old Versus, one of the big things was that you could do DC versus Marvel, but Upper Deck does not have the DC license right now. Because it's with Cryptozoic does. does. Um, not that DC couldn't maybe also license, but maybe they wouldn't. Anyways. I, I imagine that because they usually do, Cryptozoic presumably has an exclusive license. They theoretically... Well, they, they could do a co-production because they've done yeah. that AG. But also, they've already said, well, instead of Versus just being a comic book game, we're going to do all of our themed games. So there's going to be Crow and... Alien versus Predator. Alien versus Pre- Aliens, Predators, like uh, all the stuff they already have a license for can go into... Oh, I'm fine with that. It's just as good as, you know, hopefully they'll get DC worked in somehow. I don't know how long Cryptozoic is going to hold on to that DC license for. I suspect we would need to read the contract to find out what the term is. They're certainly pushing out uh, the DC deck building game stuff, a lot of it. So, Well, I mean, because the new thing that's coming out for them is the four micro expansions, but I think that's really it. What, well, no, they yeah. just released uh, a Teen Titans one, a full-size Teen Titans thing. I thought, I thought the Teen Titans was, uh, was one of the micro sets. I thought it was a, a full-on one. But yeah, they, they've had some little micro-pack things. You were right. It was a full product. I just hadn't seen it. But, thanks for listening to Strange Assembly. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to the podcast there or on iTunes or Stitcher. You can find us on the usual social media places, facebook.com slash strangeassembly or at strangeassembly on Twitter. You can email me directly. I'm chris at strangeassembly.com. I always do like to hear from our listeners and readers. But until then, for Mike Cook, I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop reading.